Hey, you scruffy-looking nerf herders. Welcome to Records of the Republic, a podcast where we talk about all things Star Wars, from canon to the EU to Legends content and more. We are your hosts, Wade and Kevin, and we're going to make the jump to light speed as we try to tackle today's topic of conversation with you. Strap yourself in, and don't get cocky, as we embark on this journey together into the Star Wars universe. Hey y'all, welcome back to Records of the Republic. We are using a new recording software today, so hopefully things get uploaded properly. We don't have any issues on on the back end and editing is smooth and you guys will be able to hear us when uh when you go to check out this episode. My name's Wade as always and I am joined by my co-host Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing this week? I am good. But man, am I tired and, and drained. So glad that we have made it to the end of the week. No kidding, nice man. I still have two more days of work this week. I got to work. This is my one one week a month where I've got to pick up on a Saturday shift. So this oh. is my, my Saturday week. So I'll be in the office. I did get today off, though, through kind of unfortunate circumstances. Um just about pretty much everyone in the family has gotten this awful stomach bug, you know, where it's coming out both ends kind of thing. And it's just been not fun for anyone. My parents have it. Uh, my son had it. My wife has it. My sister now has it. So it's just Brutal. going around and I'm just, um, fingers crossed that I don't get it. <laughs> I've got a pretty good immune system. So I'm just hoping, hoping I don't have to call out a couple more days from work because of this, but uh, so she'll be taking the day off tomorrow and relaxing as well, um, just trying to get her energy back up. But, now, if you don't work on Saturday, do you have to then take next Saturday, or do you just is it a is it a wash? No, I mean theoretically, if I had to call out from being sick, um, it would be a wash because next month start the Saturday starts the new month. It'll be April first, so. Technically, it would just be a wash for March. Gotcha. Yeah, which is, you know, it is what it is. Do you have to find somebody to cover, or is it just whatever <laughs> no. we're going to get done that day doesn't get done? That's that's a manager's job. I'm not there yet. <laughs> it's it's now. It would be one thing if like, I you know, it were a couple weeks before my shift, and I'm like trying to request off because something came up, and I you know I'm trying to trade with someone. Then I might try and you know get it covered, but yeah. realistically, if I'm sick and I can't work, I'm sick and I can't work, and they can try and find someone to come in that Saturday. But if no one can come in, we just got to reschedule the appointments. Makes sense. Is what it is. Yep, that's right. It is what it is, man. So uh, a couple interesting things that have happened this week. We got the first official. Jedi Survivor trailer and dude the game looks awesome. I don't know if you've watched any of it. No, I didn't watch it because I'm not going to be able to play it. So there's no point. I'm just going to find somebody that's streaming it and well and watch that. Maybe I'll I'll send you my Xbox at some point when I'm done playing through it and let you borrow it. Wait, you're a saint, man. You don't have to do that. <laughs> well, that's so, if, that's if so you much. say so, I guess. That's so much. 
it, I mean, it looks like a great game. Um, the, some of the storyline, it looks like they're setting up this High Republic character. Now, I, I'm assuming it's a High Republic character. I could be wrong. But it looks like a High Republic Jedi that might have been held in this stasis chamber for some time. And when he wakes up, he, he like addresses Cal in the in the trailer and he's like, how could you let this abomination of an empire, you know, take over the galaxy, you know, addressing him. And I'm like, Whoa, this is going to be intense. Like, yeah, like it's Cal's (laughs) fault (laughs) that the empire rose up and killed the Jedi order. But, uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting. I saw someone on Twitter say something like, great. The first, uh, the first person we've seen in any kind of animation or live action from the High Republic, and they're immediately set up as a bad guy. That's a great way to get new High Republic fans. <laughs> so are you like, nervous at all that the game's not going to be that good because the the book wasn't very good? No, not at all. Because to my knowledge, the writer of the book hasn't had anything to do with writing any of the game story. Well... Ryan Johnson didn't have anything to do with the writing of Force Awakens or Rise of Skywalker. That's true. That's true. But I mean, you're talking about movie to movie to movie yeah. versus video game to movie or video game to book to video game. Like they're set. And the, this is the other thing. This game, Jedi Survivor, is set five years after Fallen Order. And the book is actually set up about roughly two to two and a half years after Fallen Order. So there's been a, a pretty decent gap between this game and the book itself. Well, so now that I think about it, too, your issue wasn't so much with the story as it was the writing. Yes. Yes. The writing. I mean, the story, too, to an extent, just because there wasn't much story there. I think that yeah. was part of the problem is what you know what was focused on in the book was more about this hookup relationship than it was about you know any actual character development um so it, you know i had some other issues with the book but yeah it it was okay and i've told people that you know it's been really funny like every time someone posts on uh twitter or reddit or instagram saying oh i just picked up this boot book i'm super excited what did you guys think about it you know, I'll comment and I'll be honest and I'll say, well, this is what I thought. I don't know that it was the greatest, but I always end it with, but I really, really hope you enjoy the book. I've noticed that. And like, I always try to be very clear, like, hey, it wasn't for me. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was well written. I think the storyline was poor. But at the end of the day, I hope that you don't feel like you wasted your money. And if that's the case, you know, at the end of the day, if you feel like it was a purchase that was worth it, that's a win. But wait, at the same time, you said you weren't going to leave a review for it, but you're just leaving a bunch of different reviews to individual people. I'm not going to leave a review where people are going and buying it. What I'm doing is I'm telling people who have already bought it what my opinion is of it when they've asked. All That's right, the only enough. difference. I'm only I will only comment it on on posts where people say, "What did you think about it?" Fair enough. That when they've already picked it up, if they haven't picked it up, I'm not gonna go. You know, if they're like, "Well, I'm considering buying it, but I haven't really. I'm not sure. I've been reading some of the reviews, kind of on the edge. I'm gonna leave that one alone. I'm not gonna touch it because at that point, they've already been warned based on the reviews. Like they know. 
they they the warnings are out there you know but if, if someone's already bought it purchased it and uh you know they're like what did you think before i read it well i'll be honest with you yeah fair so and then we also got some news um damon lindelof this week uh i think it was at the beginning of this week he has uh left the star wars team he was supposed to be helping to write this script for a post episode nine rise of skywalker uh movie and you know he was quoted a couple weeks ago at the south by southwest film thing film i don't i don't know awards or showing or whatever they are but uh essentially he he said something along the lines of you know you you don't want to create something that isn't perfect and he's like you know my experience with star wars is the same that all of your guys's is in that you know star wars was my first movie to go and see in theaters with my dad or something you know something to that effect where he's like ah oh, this this is like where i set the bar like this movie just extraordinary um and he's like you know if you can't do it at that extraordinary level you probably shouldn't be doing it and then he said something to the extent of you know sometimes it's like getting into the kitchen and starting to cook when you really realize that maybe you're more meant to be eating the food instead of making it. And so that was kind of some foreshadowing. Cause that happened, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. So a little bit of foreshadowing. And I I'm wondering if the pressure is on just because of his own expectations or if there's pressure from, you know, the fan base, because we've seen how the fan base can react and really, you know, if I were a writer, to be honest with you, I would not take on any Star Wars movie until another one or two movies have come out. And that's just me personally, because I want to see what are general reactions to movies lately, you know? Yeah, it's interesting. Your take is interesting because mine is similar, but I would have worded it differently. It it scares me, you know, that yeah. we don't even know what this project is, and it's already losing somebody, at least one person. So Well, a big it, some they lost two writers, technically. It doesn't make me feel good, you know. I, I, I think that they should just let Favreau do it for the first one. Let him let him do it. He's he's the movie guy. He's done movies in the past, he's directed them. That's kind of how he made his name. Yeah. Give him a crack at it. Well, I think he would do a good job. I've got no no qualms there. You know, I think if he were to be given a shot at um at a new Star Wars movie, I think he would do fine with it. But you know what I don't want that I've seen people asking for? I don't what? want a Mandalorian movie. I don't either. I'm really happy with where it is as a show. Um yeah. I think you know, even if we only get the four seasons that we've been promised so far, I'm fine with that. You know, if everything with Mandalorian wraps up after next season, I'm totally fine with it. I think if they can wrap up this next season strongly or if yep. they leave it open for season five and six and whatever, you know, wherever I just they feel like they take, can go with it. I just feel like when you take something like what Mando is and then you turn it into a movie, the vibe is just completely different. Like, Oh, absolutely. Part of the appeal to the show is that we're getting a new one every week. We right. Have, 
you know, podcasts like ours that break it down every week and have a lot of fun predicting things and, you know, doing Mando bingo and stuff like that. And if it's a movie, it's, I'm sure it would be fine. It's just, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a completely different vibe that I, I'm not interested in what well, I'm interested in and I would watch it, but I don't want it. Right. Yeah, I'm all about the show personally. I think the show is great. I think they've been doing a great job with it, and I would be okay if they just, you know, if if we're going to get a movie, I would like it to be Old Republic era, High Republic era. I don't I don't even think there's really much um right now that they really need to cover with any of the main timelines. I mean, there's no prequel era stuff that we really need. We've got so much with the Clone Wars animated series. Um, you know, unless we got like a pre-Phantom Menace movie at some point, you know, that include like Plagueis and stuff like that, that might be interesting. Um, but there's really nothing we need there. There's nothing in between the prequels and original trilogy that we need. And, you know, we're currently in the middle of getting a bunch of between original trilogy and sequel trilogy content right now. Because, you know, we've got Mandalorian We've got Ahsoka coming out. Um, so we've got a whole bunch of stuff, and you can tell that they're starting to kind of set up stuff between Bad Batch and uh, Mandalorian. They're definitely starting to kind of allude to the Imperial cloning stuff and, you know, kind of moving into, um, what's his name, Palpatine on, like, Exegol and stuff like that and doing all the cloning over there with the Sith Eternal and all that crap. So... You know, really, you can only go backwards from before prequels or in front of the sequels. There's nothing really in between any of that period that we really need any movies fleshing out. Now, saying that, I wouldn't mind a Solo too. You know, I would be interested in seeing that. But I don't think there's a, a need for it as much as there is some of the market. other... I think there is more than people realize because Solo has been a very, very popular movie, especially since it's, um, I should say specifically since it's been released for like DVD and, you know, watching at home. If you look online and you throw anything out there about Solo, Solo is a overall pretty positively received I've seen that. I know movie. that people like it. I just, I haven't seen people asking for more. I have heard some. Now, I'm not saying I've heard everyone. I think there are other areas that are more interesting to people right now. You know, doing a High Republic movie or doing an Old Republic movie. I think those are the two most popular ideas right now. Um, But that said, I think if they were to announce and market a Solo 2 movie at some point, people would be in for it if they were to market it well. You know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm with you, though. Like, there's tens of thousands of years to explore. Yeah, there's you know? so much other stuff out there. And, you know, you've got, like, Revan and the Old Republic Sith, you know, Darth Bane. You've got just a whole bunch of awesome stuff that you can really dive into there. And yeah. so I just think those periods are more fascinating to fans, um, just because we haven't seen hardly anything about them on screen, for the most part. Yeah, and I think that I think that Star Wars fans are ready and hungry for for new things. Like Andor wasn't new, but it was something that 
we didn't expect to ever it, it may as well have been new uh Mando, well, the style was very new for Andor. Uh, yeah I, I just mean the care like we knew who cassian andor right was, but he it just it wasn't lucian was new or lucian yeah. or whatever his name is he was new. mando was was brand new you know yeah. and that's like the best thing they've got going right now so i think Holy that cow, there's is it ever I think that there's definitely a market for the for exploring new things. You know, I've I have heard from many fans that there's more to the damn galaxy than the Skywalker family. And it's true. I love the Skywalkers, all of them. I want more I want more content of theirs, but there's a lot more to explore. Right. Yeah, I mean I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I like the Skywalkers. Um, I'm not happy about how the family ended everything and how someone just kind of assumed the name Skywalker for themselves. But, you know. The spin zone that I see online. I guess, I guess there was no one to there to contradict her on that, so. Yeah. I mean, cool. You know, we feel all warm and fuzzy, but it, it was lazy. That was right. such lazy writing. I, in my I thought opinion. so too, especially when we know. So, like, I'm going to talk a little bit about this. I just finished Shadow of the Sith book, and it took me about three or four days because it was like 17 hours listening to it. So, it's the longest of any of the Star Wars books, to my knowledge, that I've had to sit through. And it wasn't an awful book. I'd probably give it about a three stars, maybe three and a half. I it was it was a pretty decent, pretty enjoyable book. Um, I'll read through it probably one other time in my life. Um, the biggest problem that I had is, okay, so it, it covers this time period essentially before the force awakens where essentially we get to meet Ray's parents. We know who they are and Ray is about six years old right now and they're on the run from the Sith eternal. So they're kind of planet hopping and trying to figure out how to stay under the radar or whatever. So it follows them, and then it also follows Lando and Luke, um, and then it follows the hunters working for the Sith Eternal, trying to get this family so they can bring specifically Rey back to Exegol. And the whole thing is, you know, I don't know how much of it you want me to talk about if it's something that you're really interested in reading or not but I mean, i'm not going to read it okay so <laughs> then i'll talk a little bit about it because it frustrates me um spoilers for anybody yeah spoilers so they're trying to get ray back to exegol because uh her father is palpatine's son quote unquote uh he's a clone of palpatine and essentially they were able to biologically clone him well, but he has no connection to the Force whatsoever. So he's kind of looked at as a disgrace. But then they found out this perfectly, this perfect genetically modified being who was just created in a lab, essentially, um, was able to procreate with another human being who was born naturally. And so they were able to create this daughter. And so now there's interest in the possibility of whether Ray is force sensitive um, and what all that may entail. And so that's what the, the Sith eternal and palps are basically trying to 
to use different people to hunt them down. But then Luke, I love how Luke's written in this book. He he is such a fantastic character. Um, he is super positive, super like, I'm never giving up no matter how hard it gets. Like throughout it, throughout the book, they actually encounter a um, uh, kind of like a Sith acolyte. She's not really a Sith. It's it's she she has this mask that kind of has the the dark side power of a former Sith Lord from way back when. Yada yada yada, whatever. And that mask gives her the power and ability to kind of like use his powers. So she does carry around a lightsaber and you know whatever. But the couple times that Luke fights her, he makes it clear like I'm not going to give up on you like despite all of these evil things that you've done. I'm never going to give up. I'm always going to try and fight for you to turn the dark side away, turn the darkness away, you know, come back to the light, redeem yourself, yada yada yada. And it was perfect. Like that's who Luke is. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the book, like when you read it, you, you almost get the feeling like, okay, they wrote this book to try and fill some holes that we got in the sequel trilogy and kind of help just plug up some areas. You know, why is Lando on Pisana? Why is, uh, you know, Ray on Jakku without her parents? And we see them flying, you know, all these questions kind of get answered. And so it's a great book. But it paints a completely different picture of Luke than we get in The Last Jedi. I mean, complete, complete 180. I mean, yeah. and it, it to me, it doesn't make sense. Here you've got this guy who doesn't have any relationship to the this acolyte lady whatsoever. I mean, no relationship at all. She's evil. She's done a bunch of evil things before the mask and after the mask, and yet he's still convinced to the very bitter end. I mean, literally up until the point that she dies, he is convinced that he is going to save her. He's going to help her. He's going to redeem her, and that's his attitude towards her. And even like after she dies, he's kind of like, "That's a bummer," because you know he. And it's not like a, "Ah, oh, I'm giving up. That was my last straw. I can't do it anymore." It's more of a, I, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to help you, but I've got more to do, you know, kind of like a brush it off his shoulder. Like, okay, well, got to move on to the next thing. I've got other things to take care of. And so you see such a, such a different picture in how he treats this lady versus in the last Jedi, how he's depicted with his nephew, Ben, where it's like, okay, he had a bad dream about Ben and now he's ready to cut him down in his sleep. Yeah. Like, no, that's not Luke. That's going to be the biggest flaw for me in Last Jedi till the day I die. I, I could deal with everything else in that movie. All the stupid crap we get out of it. I can deal with all of it if they had changed how Luke was. But because they screwed up his character so, so much, I will probably never trust Ryan Johnson with another Star Wars project ever in my life. Oh, yeah, they'd be... They would be fools to bring him back for Star Wars. Like, credit where it's due, he's he's good. Like, I've liked other stuff by him. Oh, um, absolutely. Like the Knives but, Out, the the Knives Out movie, and the what is it? Is it Glass Onion? Is that what it's called? I think so. You know, both of those I liked quite a bit. 
Yeah. But, um, yeah, I agree. No more, no more Star Wars for him. Let's but, get yeah, some no, I, well, and that, that's been killing me too. I've seen a couple of times on, on red or on a Twitter where in light of the David Lindelof show or uh, news, I should say he, uh, a lot of people are saying, if only we've had a successful Star Wars writer before, you know, produce a successful movie and it's always a picture of ryan johnson and i i just i have to bite my tongue so hard because i i just i don't want to i don't want to like get into that because i don't want to tear them down if they liked the last jedi that's that's okay i'm not going to convince them of anything but uh, yeah uh, trying to have a discussion about it is probably not going to go anywhere um you know the ryan johnson last jedi fans are going to be fans no matter what and let them and that and that's totally cool you know, for me, he didn't do it. He screwed up Luke big time. Yeah. And, and you know, and this book just, I mean, this book came out after that movie. So it's not like yeah, they didn't so have, it's not like they didn't have the ability to try and like, you know, cause it, here's the thing. If they had taken that opportunity with this character to kind of show, start to show Luke's downfall in, in his, maybe his trust in his ability or, you know, just to show him falter somehow and kind of start a, a, a downward thought process or spiral, you know, in essence, then I could I, I could start to maybe understand because everything else that it did for me, the book did a great job kind of helping fill plot holes and, and, you know, issues and, you know, oh, this character pops up randomly on this planet. Why is he there? We get no information on it. Well, this book helps plug that hole or this hole and. So, you know, there are some things that it really does help with, and it did help me enjoy the sequels a little bit more, but it made me hate Luke's character in The Last Jedi even more. (laughs) So, I just, yeah, it's not a book I'm going to read again. I got you. It makes sense. I mean, it's cool that they did it, and like, because you want want more content of, of Luke, you know, but... I know what you mean when when something like that happens it makes you think of something else and it well at this point I just down. I don't want anyone besides Filoni and Favreau touching Luke that's that's how I'll say it I don't want Hopefully anyone else touching his character although yeah. well that's not fair cuz I mean the person who wrote this book did a good job of touching his character like he, they did I think a very good job of kind of capturing who we've come to know and love as Luke yeah, the but problem I don't blame is Ryan you. Johnson didn't. Right. That's, right. that's what really happened. kills me. Like the movie, the movie's going to be what sticks out more. Oh, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts, man. But it is what it is. So getting to the main part, the the section of the episode that I've just been so excited to talk about, um, as I think most people will be this week, Mandalorian. Dude, first of all, did you get any bingo squares crossed off? No, I got too specific with it. I said I said that Grogu gets full Beskar. Oh, like, I didn't say that. I just said I, I said Grogu gets Mandalorian armor. Yeah, I should have just He did. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Ah, I'm so ex- But I did get the who rescues Grogu wrong because I said Joe Costa knew. I think everybody got that wrong. And I am totally okay with it, man. It was like 3.30 a.m. 
I'm sitting here barely watching the episode on my phone. You know, my eyes are kind of dry. And then all of a sudden I see that, that elevator open and it's his face. And I said, hold on a second. And I had to like, I had to pause it for a second, wipe my eyes clear and then unpause it. And as I start to recognize who it is, I kid you not, I started crying. (laughs) Like I was just, man, how, how awesome to see that all of those hateful fake fans out there didn't turn this guy away. Ahmed, I am so, so happy. I know you're not listening to this because you've got bigger and better things to do. But I am so, so happy that you decided to accept this offering, this casting, this role. Because not only was your Jedi a complete badass, but you stayed true to a lot of us who were fans. And that's one of the things that, man, I posted about it pretty hard on Wednesday. There were a couple of different times that I posted um, about Ahmed and the fact that like, for some of us, like me growing up, I heard a lot of hate from older generations about Jar Jar, but like Jar Jar was this goofy, you know, yeah, kind of obnoxious, but ultimately he was a fun, silly, goofy, you know, lighthearted, I think good-hearted character that, you know, got scolded from time to time for not doing things right or not behaving at the dinner table properly or, you know, whatever. But he was a funny, goofy character, and I always really liked him, and I thought he was great, at least in The Phantom Menace. And so I never, as a kid at least, I never understood the hate that he got for that character. It just, I mean, first of all, that anyone would get hate for a made-up character that they play (laughs) in general. It's not like it's his fault the character may have been dumb. If anyone should have gone out there and given anyone hate, not that I think you should, but if you're going to, aim it at George Lucas. You know, aim it at the creator of the character, not the person portraying it. But that said, don't be a hateful person, you know? Like, if you don't like something, don't like it and move on with your life. But, yeah, dude, seeing Kelleron... Okay, we can go... Let's go back to the beginning of the episode. Because I just... I got really emotional. Uh And I'm still... I'll probably get emotional talking about him. But, uh... So what happened at the beginning of the episode? Really, really cool opening scene. We're seeing the whole covert uh, training. You know, Mm -hmm. we're seeing all the weapons, people flying around, shooting... Really, really cool stuff, uh, and there are a lot more of the more of them than I thought. Um, and then we it, it kind of zooms in on Grogu, who's doing his own thing. I assume he's trying to train, um, but maybe not so successfully. Get distracted and whatnot, and then um, is it's Ragnar? That's the kid's name. I think so. I think it's Ragnar or Rogar or something like that. I think it's Ragnar. He challenges Grogu. Um, and really weird. Well, actually, he... uh, technically, um, Din kind of throws Grogu in there. I thought I thought Ragnar was the one that instigated the whole thing. No, because Gro- when, uh, when Din goes to the edge of the beach where, you know, Grogu's playing with the crabs, he brings him over to where they're training and then he says, next challenger up, talking about Grogu, kind of essentially getting in line for like, 
you know, next one-on-one basketball in the courtyard playground. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's throwing Grogu into training at this point, and that's when he challenges him. What did you think of that whole uh, fight? I thought it was interesting. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. For me, it was kind of cool seeing Vizsla's son get knocked down a peg. Yeah. Because I think that affects Vizsla more than it does his son. At least I hope so. Um, and we got that confirmed that he that was his son. So, you know, yay on me, I would say. for I remember you texting me saying, hey, you got that one right. And I said, yeah, I didn't put it yep. on my square, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was confirmed a little bit later on in the episode as uh, Vizsla's son. But, I mean, it was interesting. I like the, the training aspect of it. And, you know, it's kind of interesting seeing them use essentially wrist paintballs. Um, yeah, I would love some of those. That was that was pretty dope. Yeah, if I could if I could just have a wrist gauntlet full of uh, paintballs and carry them around with me, I'd be so, a, a happy camper. I didn't like the fight. I like the concept of it, but I don't think it was very well executed. And it's because of, I, I've mentioned it here and there. They gotta do something about Grogu, man. Yeah, like, I when, think they need to go just full CGI from now on. Something. It looks ridiculous. Because like, his it, running looks kind of ridiculous, too. Like, when he had to chase the armorer into the cave. And I'm just like, that doesn't it, you look know like... What, that doesn't look normal at all. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, in Revenge of the Sith, when Palpatine is taking down uh, basically all the Jedi except Mace Windu. And it's, like snail speed like he's not there's no reason why they couldn't have blocked him and i i understand it it was because they couldn't like they didn't have the cgi to the book goes into how fast palpatine was moving um but it just wasn't executed that well on the screen like it it just it it looked bad and like grogu jumping over him or jumping over there and then back and it took like five seconds you're telling me that kid couldn't have just punched grogu or something and like he had plenty of reaction time and but it just, you gotta, you also got to remember, he's not expecting the kid to jump over him. Like he that. had time. He, he had time. That's, that's my whole point here. Who had time? The, um, Ragnar. Like it's not the, it's the execution of it that I didn't think was there. Yeah. But it I'm was, saying, I think he was caught off guard. I, I don't I think agree with you, but I think that it was the way they executed that scene it was slow enough that any human being would have had time to react. Um, I don't know. I would have been caught off guard by a little thing like the. A I think he was height. caught off guard. Um, but I, I also just like it. Just looked like somebody took Grogu, tossed them up in the air, and then did it again. You know, <laughs> well, they tossed them in the in this uh, season at least yeah, once. Like, that's that's the only thing is like from a writing standpoint. I like. Yeah, it, it looks kind of clunky. It looks nuts. It looks ridiculous. And it, it, there, it's too high tech of a show for that to be happening. Yeah, I feel like they could definitely figure. I mean, maybe there are two guys in green suits, like tossing him over the kid. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I mean, it could be possible. Like, but... I understand that it's it's make believe, but it really does look like they just took a doll and tossed it up in the right. air. Not a, well, not a living, moving thing. And then after the kid loses to Grogu. Din's got his proud dad moment. Um, and then Cade goes over by the edge of the water, which I don't understand. Like, <laughs> at this point, like, why wouldn't you guys just go practice a little higher up on the mountain? 
behind you. Like, why would any of you guys want to be that close to the edge of the water after we've seen what's in the, and we see it again this episode. There's another one in the water or it may be the same one. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, they've got their little crocodile, well, not little, they've got their huge crocodile, alligator, dinosaur things sitting in the water. And it's like, why on earth would you want to stand that close to the edge to practice shooting? You where know? you know there's beasts. Where you know you're disrupting the water. You're out here blasting it and throwing, like, bombs and shooting rockets into there. And it's like, really? Is that really the smartest thing to be doing? But no one ever claimed Mandalorians are smart. They're very brave. And that's great. Fair. Happy for them. Yep. But so he goes to the edge of the water and then gets swooped up by a pterodactyl, kind of a, a dragon pterodactyl looking thing. Um, and so really cool mo- moment for me. I really, really, really appreciated this. When the Mandalorians, there are four of them that leave on their jetpacks to try and track it down. And like partway through the chase, their jetpacks start losing fuel. And that's something you never see. It's just like, uh, you know, people using bow and arrows in movies, they never run out of arrows. Yep. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. You never run out of jetpack fuel. So to see them running out of jetpack fuel, for me, I was like, now that's kind of realistic. And then, of course, as they're all like landing and like, crap, we're going to lose it. You get the gauntlet flying in from behind, and it's like, oh, yeah, Bo-Katan's working smarter than all of you guys. Yep. That's awesome. So she it's tracks it down. Show. Oh, yeah. She's awesome. Like, yep. I absolutely love her. This is so much better than what I thought we were going to get from her after the first episode. Like, she has shot up in, in popularity for me. Um, so they all meet back at camp and then decide they've got to put together a hunting party. Um. Then from there, they all go off in the gauntlet and figure that out. But then the armorer calls Grogu in and starts talking to her or talking to him about um, uh, just kind of, I guess, training and being a foundling. I don't remember the specifics, you know, but she's starting to pick out like armor for him and uh, to add to his collection. Right now, he just has the chain mail. And they essentially added a chest piece for him uh, with the Mudhorn signet. But while she's working on that, that's when he has his flashback. And we get back to the Jedi Temple. And we see the doors open. And it's the 501st and everything. And one of the Jedi gets Grogu into the elevator and says... We must get him to Kelleron, Kelleron or something like that. I, I forget how they pronounce his name. I think it's Kelleron Beg. Is that correct? Yeah. So she says that, gets shot. She falls. Um, he goes up the uh, elevator, up the lift, and opens, and then we've got Kelleron. And oh my gosh, like I said before, when I saw that and confirmed it was him, I cried. Because I was just, I was so, so happy. And then not only was I happy, but he pulls up the dead Jedi's lightsaber and ignites it next to his green one. So he's got green and blue there going back and forth. And total, total badass. It was so cool. It was so awesome. Like, I know Dylan had said, like, some of his moves looked a little funky. And I kind of thought that too. But I was like, I was so engrossed in the fact that we've got him as a Jedi that I just... I totally ignored any of it, but I mean, I thought overall it was pretty good. Um, 
So he throws one of them off the edge. He's deflecting blaster bolts left and right at the others. And so then they end up stealing the bark speeder. They go flying through Coruscant, get uh, trailed by some LAAT gunships. Um, uh, they go through a tunnel, yada, yada, yada. They lose one of them. One of them gets hit by a train. And then they end up meeting up with some uh some palace guard from Naboo. Um and there's a theory right now that says uh they think Kelleron because we know the other senator at this time, the other senator um of whatchamacallit from Naboo is over at her little uh apartment complex. This isn't her ship. Because uh, she takes her ship later on. So it looks like Kelleron was somehow connected to or friends with Jar Jar. Because that, that is a, a ship from Naboo. And to have the, the guard there would indicate that they're there on official business as Senator Binks's personal guard. Um, so kind of a fun little connection there for anyone who was picking up on that. But they end up getting in the ship and then flying off. And Carl Weathers, did you see his tweet? Yeah, I think I, you I know think what happened. Gonna... I went to go comment on it from our podcast page, and I saw that you already had, so I left it <laughs> yeah, alone. Yeah, that happens sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. But uh, yeah, so I think we might get some more of him. So this episode was directed by Carl Weathers, and based on what he was saying, he would know. I, I would love to see some more of this. And I think we probably will, whether it's this season or next at some point, we're going to find out another step in the process. Now that they've left Coruscant, you know, where do they end up going? Who does he get handed off to, or does he get handed off? You know, does Kelleron end up dying, protecting him? So on and so forth. You know, I think we will find that out at some point. Um, so, but just really cool to see that. So then flashbacks. Well, there was one little, I don't even want to call it an Easter egg because it's from the same show. But did you notice that they passed through where uh, Pershing was the week before, like the highest uh, peak of Coruscant, the rock? No, I missed that. You didn't notice that? It was very quick. I totally missed that. They passed through, and I thought that was a cool little Is that where he was, like, skidding on the ground and then had to get back up into the air? Okay, I'm going to go back and rewatch that. Yeah, they passed straight through it. Dude, I was just rose-colored glasses, tunnel vision – Ahmed Best is back. That's Isn't that, that so cool though? Like that that's the feeling that you're always chasing, right? Like yep. we got it with when Luke showed up at the end of season two. Oh yeah. Uh, or like in the flashback training episodes for uh Kenobi where Obi Wan and yeah. Anakin are together and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is prime master and apprentice. Like for a I moment love these nothing guys. else exists. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly what it was for me. So seeing this was just I, I just I could not get enough of it. And then going on to Twitter and seeing all of the love yeah. that he got. I mean, that guy deserves it because he's been through the ringer and was still willing. Because I can't say like if I had gone through the kind of crap that he had went through, that I would have ever accepted any other projects related For sure. to Star Wars again. Um because he went through a lot of crap yep. for this. So it was just awesome to see him in that. Um, but then we get back to current time frame. 
uh, Grogu gets his chest piece, and then we fast forward. The Mandalorians are essentially uh, they find where the the peak is. They set up camp. Um, they all go different ways. Like Bo Katan is learning how to how to be a Mandalorian living under the creed. You know, because she asks Mando, how do you guys eat? And he's like, yeah, we all go to other places, like individual isolated spots where others, others won't see us um, to eat. And uh, then Vizsla tells her she gets to stay by the campfire because she's the, the leader of the group, essentially, for this hunting party. Um, so then in the morning, they shoot up their grapplers, whatever. They climb all the way up. And then they uh, use their one of their range finders or, you know, uh, thermal vision to see where they think the kid is. Vizsla, instead of clearing the nest, just jumps straight in. Cause he's like, that's my son, you know? And that's when we find out he is officially his son. He gets in the nest and then we find out there are three baby dinosaur pterodactyl things. Um, and he's like, Oh crap. And so he's waving his vibroblade around at him. And then Mama Bird shows up, regurgitates the kid, and hangs him over the, the babies. And then there's this whole sequence of, like, fighting. Uh, they they do end up recovering him. Um, I think it was Din who it actually was. recovered him and reunited him with Vizsla. So that was cool. Um, you know, one dad to another, looking out for each other. Um, definitely earned some respect points there if he didn't already have him from Grogu kicking his kid's butt. <laughs> so, you know, there's that, but, and then they, they do end up, I think the, doesn't the mom creature end up getting eaten by one of those turtle alligator dragon things when it lands in the water? Oh, I, I don't know. Once it landed in the water, I didn't really pay attention to it. I, thought it did i'll have to go back and rewatch again but i think it did i think it got snapped up um but so they end up returning to camp everyone's like celebrating yada 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 and then bo's like yeah and we have three more foundlings for you and she's like oh and that's when they bring up the the baby dragon pterodactyl things yeah um not really foundlings but they can ride them now they can raise them and ride them like they do the mythosaurs um and then Armor and Bo have kind of an interesting moment where... A very interesting moment. Because Bo gets one of her pauldrons knocked off. So Armor's like, hey, we can fix that. And she says, essentially, you know, I can't do it in the style that you have, um, but I can do something, you know, with like a night owl or, you know, a basic practical, basically, uh, design. And she was like, is it okay if I have the Night Owl on one and then the Mythosaur on the other? And, you know, the armor is like, yeah, I mean, the Mythosaur belongs to everyone, so anyone can have it. So she starts working on that, and then Bo starts letting the armor know, you know, hey, I, I've seen a Mythosaur. And she's like, you're honored to have that vision. And Bo's like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, I've seen it. <laughs> In cool living dream. waters. Yeah. Like, the armor's like, well, that's awesome. I'm happy for you. Like, 
You know, go have a beer, go celebrate, tell your friends. Yeah, it's a great vision. And she's like, no, it's not. No, like I've seen it living in the living waters. And then she goes into the story of, you know, it, the the living waters used to be a lair or something. You know, they'd start talking about that. And so I, I they're not going to let that drop. We're definitely going to see more Mythosar at some point. Not sure what the context will be, um, but we're definitely going to see it again. I guarantee it. Yeah, I think so too. Do you think that seeing that kind of has Bo thinking like maybe maybe this covert is onto something and they really understand what it means to be a Mandalorian or something? I don't know. It, That's it seems possible. Like, I think. I, I wonder if I that was the catalyst. I think she is getting more in touch with this this group of Mandalorians than she thought she would. Yeah. Um, I think she's missing mostly, I think she's missing the camaraderie that you get, um, or that she had, you know, when she was young and a part of the death watch, you know, and they were living on the, was it Concord Dawn? Was that the moon that they were living on death watch back in clone wars? Were they not Concordia? Is I that that's where the death watch was? Concordia or Concord Dawn? It was something like that. If I mean, it's definitely Concordia. Okay, so that's where it was. Um, but I think she's missing that specifically that kind of camaraderie she had with the Death Watch, and that's essentially what the Children of the Watch are. They are the descendants of the Death Watch. So, yep. you know, it. I think she's growing in relationship with them. I think she's very happy to be with them. And I think she's going to continue growing, um, regardless of what her position is within the covert, you know, even if it's not leading it, I think she, she's going to do well. I've seen some people saying it's a big conspiracy that she's just joining them and she's going to turn on them, you know, like maybe try to use fight Din, beat Din, get the, the dark saber and finally become, finally take her rightful place. Yeah, that's possible. But I think she's, no, softened I don't up. think it's going to happen. I think that's, she's softened up too much from that to be, I that would be kinda, very disappointed if that were the case. Yeah. To be that kind of backstabbing character. I just, I don't see her being that anymore. You know, there was a time at one point where I would have seen that, but this is not yeah. it. I hope so. Um, there is a possibility also, rumor has it, that we are going to see Fen Rao at some point. I don't know if you've seen that going around Twitter. No, why do people think that? Uh, there have been a couple of reports that have said that the voice actor... Have you ever seen um, Grey's Anatomy with Jess? Yeah. And I premise it with Jess because I have only ever seen Grey's Anatomy with Penny. It's something she introduced me to. I, I'd never watched it before her. Um, but you know the uh, the guy who plays Dr. Hunt? He's uh, the army, the former army doctor. I'll just look him up. I okay. don't know the names. Um, I forget the actor's name. But essentially he voiced Fen Rao in Rebels. And there have been a couple of reports that have said he has uh, – he was on set um, and that he is reprising his role 
as Fen Rao for the Mandalorian. Interesting. So, which would be pretty cool because I thought he was an awesome character in Rebels. So, I'd love to see a live action version of him. Anytime we get a an animated character moving into live action, I'm pretty happy. And they did a. It seemed like they planned it all out too. Like they knew. Like it's 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 almost like Dave Filoni knew that he needed to cast people that would fit <laughs> yeah. on screen. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I love it. So, doing a great job, Filoni. Keep it up, my man. Uh, speaking of which, the other show we had an episode of was Bad Batch this week. Yep. And it was also fantastic. Um, Poor Crosshair. Yeah, no kidding. How I feel bad. I feel bad for bad the guy. For I just, well, here's the thing. We feel bad for him now because we, we've seen his understanding and realization of how the Empire is treating clones. Like, originally... I didn't feel bad for him because it was like, hey, your brothers have decided they're not doing this anymore. Like, they're not putting up with it. Um, They don't agree with, you know, their home being destroyed. But they just did it. I talked about it with Omega in the last episode. But in this episode, they did such a good job with the animation really showing you the emotion on Crosshair's face. Oh, his facial expressions, man. Oh, it was so good. That's like one of the things that they're doing best. So we opened up the episode with Echo and was it Fireball? Wasn't that one of the names of we we open up with a couple of different clones and it's Echo and a couple of others from uh Grease um group, platoon, whatever you want to call them, um, who served under Yoda on Kashyyyk. Or it, I, I can't remember if he, they just served under Yoda or if they were also part of uh, – I want to say they served under Luminara as well. I think she was on Kashyyyk at the same time. Anyway, they're the, the green camo guys. Yep. Um, so they got a couple of them, and they end up intercepting this uh, Imperial ship, transport ship, that ends up having – do you remember his name? Hauser? Uh, I don't think it was Hauser. I thought we got Hauser. They may have had Hauser, but I think it was someone else. Um, let me pull it up again. I saw it too. The haircut. But it's the it's the one from uh, season one on Ryloth. Um, do, 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 do. trying to pull it up on. Wikipedia real quick. I'm trying to see if I can find it. I love Wikipedia. I don't want to... I start confusing all of these different clones after... um, So it's how... There's Hauser. Oh, so I was right. He's there. But you're not talking about him? Is he the main one? Is he the main one from Ryloth? Yeah, it's Hauser. Okay, so you were right. It's Hauser. Good job, bud. So, for, for whatever reason, I wanted to say Wilco... But he's the one that got shot by Rampart in the first episode. First or second. I think it was the second episode of this season. So I don't know why I kept wanting to say Wilco. But yeah, it's Hauser. Hauser's awesome. And I'm I'm glad we got to see him because he was another kind of uh kind of like Mayday who was like, Yeah, I'm not putting up with this Imperial crap. Like you guys aren't gonna falsify yeah. records, you guys aren't you know, you guys are doing the wrong thing. And uh in the end, he got arrested for it by some of his brothers 
So it was awesome to see Hauser get uh, rescued. But uh, we also saw the jaw shocky kill pill thing, the fail safe in the mouth with the Imperial officer after they stunned all the uh, troopers on board. We see the Imperial officer because uh, I think it was Fireball who was going to be like, you know, hey, we're going to interrogate you and get you the, the information from you because they were deleting all of the records on board. And at that point, he's like, nope, and falls over. So they have to try and rescue all of the um, or recover, I should say, all of the data on there. Imperial reinforcements show up. They're like, crap, we got to go. So they detach and fly off. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't remember if it shows. I think it shows them next on Coruscant. Um, it's either that or back at Hemlock's facility. Um, but anyway, so the other clones get back to Coruscant and they're talking with Chuchi and, you know, talking about different stuff. And then uh, Echo's like, hey, I've got a touch base with Bad Batch. So then there's Crosshair, who is being interrogated um, by Hemlock, and this other cloner, the lady, and she sounds a lot like Omega. I mean, her accent's like straight on. And something else that I was that was pointed out that I thought was interesting is, unlike other Imperials, she actually calls Crosshair Crosshair. Yep versus using his number. Right. So there's a lot of question as to whether she's actually a clone or related to them somehow, or, you know, is she like Omega's sister? Did they mix like her DNA with Django Fett's DNA to get Omega? Like, how do you get, so there's a lot of theorizing going on right now. I love the, I love how with anything to do with cloning, they really do a good job of making sure that, you know, they were doing some really weird stuff with it. Like it wasn't like they were just cloning for the fun right. of it. And like, you know, it, that the, you know enough to know that they were doing bad stuff without getting to know the specifics of what bad stuff they were doing. Yeah. Like stuff was going on. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like that they have that shadow over the whole topic. So anyway, Hemlock gets, uh, asked, he has to go attend to something. And, uh, so crosshair is being interrogated and, like she ends up stepping in at some point to keep him from dying essentially. Um, and so she initially loosens his restraints and then she tells them they can tighten them. One of the stormtroopers, like an idiot puts his blaster right next to, um, crosshair's hand, which out of all the stupid things you can do, I just, <laughs> I don't understand it, but yeah. go, I guess go for it. So they both end up getting blasted, blasted. Like they didn't get stunned. He he shot him, killed him. Um, but then he ends up stunning the girl. And you know her reaction's kind of interesting. She's like, "You're not going to get far. You're not going to be able to escape. You know, think through what you're going to do." And then he ends up stunning her and stealing her card. Um. So he ends up, and you can see, like, whatever drugs they were using on him, they're affecting him. His aim isn't perfect the first shot um, on any of his shots for the most part. Um, but he ends up going through probably like half a dozen stormtroopers, maybe a little more. Then gets to a communication center and puts in the card, 
and sets up a communication array and he sends out a message essentially uh, warning the Bad Batch that they are looking for Omega um, or for them. I don't remember if he specifies that it's – I think he says – I think they they're said coming, her. Yeah, I think he said he's com- they're coming for the girl or something, something to that extent. Um, which shows us that Crosshair cares about Omega. So that's also a win on, on our yep. part. I'm just happy to see you. You texted me. Yeah. I said crosshair, crosshair loves Omega. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I thought you meant right now. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. You had texted me when you saw that. Yeah. She, I, he does. I think he, I mean, I think he loves all of them, but you know, we know he cares about Omega. Um, yep. And then this crazy gas pours in and Hemlock, after it knocks him out, essentially, or starts to cause him to choke and everything, Hemlock's like, yeah, I devised this of my own special brew that I'm immune to. And I'm like, he probably just saved a bunch of his, like, rank, like, awful, awful, awful farts. And he's like, yeah, I can tolerate my own brew, but this is going to knock you out. Like, that's what it... I, I know I'm, I sound kind of like a kid when I say that, but I mean, the color of the gas coming in, I just, that's what I thought of. I thought like, man, crosshair's choking on some really bad fart. You know that's what I'm ridiculous. saying? Like, like Kevin, have you can't say that you've ever, you've never farted and oh been my like, God. yeah, that doesn't bother me too much while your like wife's sitting yeah, there normal. coughing up a storm. Like that's, that's normal. That's what I thought of. I, I kid you not. He sat there and he's just been saving this up for a moment when he's got a poison and someone else but he's like yeah it's my own brew homie like oh this is gosh. no problem <laughs> so that's i know it's not but ridiculous that, how funny would that be if that was really what they were aiming at there yeah, i mean that that's, that's that hilarious. is that is the first thing i thought of is like when i've when i've had taco bell or something and penny's sitting next to me and like she starts going you know, she's like tearing up and crying and I'm like, I don't, I don't get what you're doing. Like, what's going on? That That's what I thought of, you know? That... Only you. I definitely <laughs> didn't think of that. You know what I thought of? I thought of Batman. Scarecrow. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I thought of. Oh, see, I would have gone laughing guess before I went, but he wasn't laughing. So I guess I just looked it... like one huge, large fart. All right. That, All right. <laughs> that's what it looked like to me. <laughs> so they take him back and strap him back in. And uh, I actually don't remember. I, I don't remember if there's anything else that really happens between Hemlock and Crosshair all that much. Um, but I know we, we go to Pabu and we don't see Fee, which is kind of interesting. Uh, we see Hunters helping the mayor with just unloading stuff from boats and Wrecker's been out fishing. He caught a big fish for dinner. So, uh, and then tech is taking Omega on flying lessons again. <laughs> and, uh, his facial expressions have been great too. Cause you can see like him trying to keep a straight face, but you know, little bits of emotion here and there, mostly fear and <laughs> our, uh, our sleep, you know, it, it very much takes you back to any parent teaching their kid for the first time how to drive. And especially if you're teaching them how to drive stick, you know, to drive a manual, that's exactly what you think of. Um, so they're doing all of that. Uh, mayor asks Hunter if there's any way he can 
get them to reconsider staying. And Hunter's like, well, you know, we're soldiers. We don't, you know, it tends to be an occupational hazard if we stay too long or something like that. And he's like, but is that all you are is soldiers? So I thought that was kind of interesting. And like I said, we don't see Fee, um, but we do see Aztec and Omega are up there flying and talking a little bit back and forth. They get on their radar, something beeping, and it shows that it's Echo coming. Um, So Echo over the radio is like, ah, you're keeping up your training. And she's like, yeah, as promised. And then he's like, I'll race you back. And she goes, you're on. Even though Tech's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And he gets cut off as she like goes full throttle. So they land, they catch up, yada, yada, yada. They start talking about the data they that Echo was able to decrypt or whatever, you know, decode from the ship. And it talks a little bit – they talk a little bit about Hemlock and where he is and, you know, that he was actually kicked out of the Republic's science core or whatever, their science crew, um, for some questionable – experiments um and then they talk about crosshair finding out crosshair is on the or kept in hemlock's facilities um so and that's when they decide hey we're gonna do something about it and start hatching a plan um and i think that's where we ended if i'm correct did i miss anything there we got one more scene of Crosshair um, basically being tortured. Okay. So we got one more scene of Crosshair being tortured. But other yep. than that, that was pretty much it. Pretty dark at times, this episode. Yeah, it was. Well, anything to do with Hemlock. Um, he He's definitely a dark... Oh, Hemlock was talking to Tarkin. That's right. That's what it was. I forgot about that. So Hemlock had to talk to Tarkin. Um, that's why he had to leave... Uh, Crosshair's cell in the first place when he was being tortured initially. He had to go talk to Tarkin because apparently, you know, Tarkin's talking about how a lot of clones are leaking information and, you know, they're trying to decommission them as quickly as they can. And Hemlock's like, well, that's not going to necessarily keep them from not talking. (coughs) Excuse me. What you need to do is send the ones who are talking to me. And I'll get them straightened out. And Tarkin's like, all right, send me this proposal of what you plan on doing. Um, I really think Hemlock is going to be the person who initiates the Dark Troopers initiative. Huh. Because if you notice, um, when we first see the Dark Troopers in Season 2 of Mandalorian, Dr. Pershing says they're all droid... Their their stage version three, stage three of the Dark Trooper program, and that they are all mechanical because that was the last missing part that they found out, you know, in terms of what makes them the most efficient, best weapons. It was the human. The human was the last issue. So I think because if you if you go into the EU and you look at Dark Troopers, you know, there are all kinds of different versions, but there were a lot of them where uh, people were taken and forced into this program, into these suits, essentially, that 
were awful. They were just horrible suits to try and wear and fly. And, um, you know, there were bio, they were like biomechanical monstrosities, essentially. It was like Android, you know, where they kind of attach the suits into your flesh, kind of like what Echo is. Um, it was something similar to what Echo is now. A lot of experimentation and swapping out organs and stuff like that for droid parts. And so just a lot, a lot of crazy stuff. And the way Hemlock is talking and kind of acting, I very much see his, I I see these clones. I think that's what his plan is going to be. I think his proposal for Tarkin is going to be this dark trooper initiative um, and it would make sense. It would lead right into, I mean, the cloners are working hand in hand with Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon has the version three, uh, dark troopers. So it would, in my opinion, make perfect sense to yeah, try and make sense. have them work under Hemlock. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. Be very cool. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see. And the most unfortunate thing is next week. We is the last week of Bad Batch season two. We've got the two, two episodes. Part, yep. So next week we are just pretty much going to cover Mandalorian and Bad Batch because yeah. it's the finale, and then it's over for a while. I think we're getting a Bad Batch season three, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think they'll announce it this year at Celebration, but we'll find out pretty soon since that's right yeah. around the corner. Should be able to tell by the end of by the end of the last episode. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all I have for you this week. Kevin, you got anything else you wanted to say? No, no. I really am hoping this week to be able to read a little bit more of Master and Apprentice. I want to go back and watch the 2003 Clone Wars. Ooh, um, it's good. Yeah, I've watched it. in the like They put it on Disney Plus not that yeah. long ago. I think like a year and a half ago. And I watched it then, but I, I don't know. I'm just into it. I want to watch it again. It's good, man. I will... After I finished the uh, Light and Magic documentary series that they have, I'll, yep. go, I'll probably watch that again since nice. it's, it's short. But All right. Well, I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening to our episode. Hopefully the audio uh, was loud enough for everyone. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts. Um, reach out to us. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about or any questions you have, or if you just want to make some friends. Kevin and I are lonely and more than happy to have more <laughs> friends. <laughs> but uh, that's all we have. As always, may the Force be with you. And remember, this is the way.